everyone, and welcome to the Chompcast, the official video game podcast of Sword Chomp. Our mission is simple, to discuss the video games we are playing, to discuss all issues surrounding gaming, and to cultivate a community of people who want to discuss gaming together. Today is a glorious day as we are discussing more Game of the Year categories and choices for our super illustrious and special Dagger Tooth Awards. We have an absolutely jam-packed day filled with many awards to give out and many discussions to dissect our group choices. But before we get into all that, I must introduce you to the crew that will be here today. I'm Shay Layton, and I am the host for week two of the Dagger Tooth Awards. First, joining me from the Big Apple at 8 p.m., is a man who has a love for New York-style pizza and used to spend his Saturday evenings skateboarding in sewers. Nowadays, he can be found muttering to himself, Go, Ninja, go, Ninja, go, go, Ninja, go, Ninja, go. He also recently told me that this is the seventh best podcast he has ever been part of, and he has only ever done three. Please welcome to the show, Rich Meister. Rich, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. It's actually like 10 to 6. I don't, I don't really know where you're getting that time frame from. Uh, the thing about skateboarding in the sewers, more true than you probably realized. No, no. I, I remember you actually telling me stories of your, your hijinks back in the day. Yeah, we used to skateboard in drainage pipes. Um, I know. I know. Yeah. And by the way, I wrote 8 p.m. because that was our original recorded time. And as I was reading the intro that I wrote, I was like, oh, yeah, we're two hours early. We're early. Um, Yeah. So that's you got some accuracy uh, buried in there. Yeah. Um, Do I don't know. Do you guys know what a this is? Do you guys know what a sump is? I know what a simp is. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. I, I never know, like, because obviously I know if I like, explained what it was, Josh, you guys would be able to figure out what it is, but I never know yeah. where the terminology is used because it always just feels like a. Any, a anywhere with a low water table. So, uh, Shay probably didn't deal with that too much in uh, Montana. So, yeah. So not, Shay, not so much, but I do know what it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So basically, say. what I'm saying is in my youth, we yeah. would just drink in landfills. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a good time. It's very right. Ed, Ed, and Eddie of you. Yeah, we're we're dirtbags. Hey, that's okay. We all were. By the way, Rich, it like I was telling you before the show, it feels like we were just here. That's because we were. Um, I accomplished because uh, we did a we talked about Kratos. Yeah, he's sexy. We're gonna talk about him some more today, probably. Probably, I would think so. He comes him up and a few times. some other people, some other folk. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, bog folk. People. Yeah. What uh, category are you most looking forward to today, Rich? What'd you say? Um, hmm. It's a good question. Uh, I like the discussion around, like, favorite narrative, but punchable face is always a goodie. Mm. I know. You think you think you have a ringer today. You told me that yesterday. Uh, yeah, I'm ex- yeah, yeah. I'm excited for us to have a heated and spirited but friendly Because you did at least say, you're like, yeah, no, I could see that. You agreed at the very least that that's a good That's a good, it's a good choice, yeah. But I think, I think mine will... Uh, be compar- comparative at least. Well, I'd love to see how you're gonna argue that Elon Musk is even up for it. Like, I, like, I, you'd be like, well, you put Cuphead in a Tesla, so 
video games. <laughs> right. And just just for the fans out there, that is literally the only one any of us have discussed with each other. Um, and that is because Rich and I recorded the God of War Ragnarok chomping after dark yesterday. And uh, he mentioned to, he mentioned it to me after the, after we recorded that, like, by the way, this person. Um, no, I mentioned going... it in the show. Oh, that's true. You did. It's you did. in the show. You, you're right. You did. Now I remember that. Yes. So if you've listened to that show already, then you already know what Rich's choice is going to be. I said it that... not thinking it would be out before this, but. Yeah, I, I told you, dude, I when we recorded that, it was going straight up. Yeah, yeah. So. That's fine. I, I produce. Like a okay. motherfucker. Just saying. But anyways. Yeah, you do. I've seen it happen. Hey, thanks, man. Uh, well, thanks for being here. And last, this person spends these days looking to the sky and wondering if there will ever be as good of villains in the world as Kai Wynn and Gold Dukat from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. It's true. Please welcome to the show, Josh Fallon. Joey Fatone. <laughs> Josh, how you doing this week, man? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. I've been slowly getting back to normal here my computer died a while ago and that's been a whole thing but uh i finally got the uh last hard drive in so i could replace that and uh start working on tracking down everything that was missing from that from was that lost to the world yeah that's just, that's so much work yeah, it's a pain like in not, the not ass. even rebuilding a whole computer, just replacing a couple parts here and there, but then just resetting everything up is so much work. Especially yeah, when stressful. that's where you do most of your work. Um, yes. Yes. Exactly. You know, it's not really related, but would you say that Kaiwin and Goldicod are in the top tier of best villains of all time? Definitely Kai Wen. Um I think Goldicott gets there in like an episode or two, maybe. But I don't know. I don't Other than that, he just feels kind of you know most of the framing around it is kind of just standard, you know, space fascist fare. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that that is true in some regards. Like, I think about um, his connection with his estranged daughter, Zial, when he discovers that he has that daughter. Yeah, Which is, yeah. like, adds depth to that character, for sure. But then again, I also think about the episode in Season 7, um, where he starts a cult around the Paw Wraiths, and then he ends up uh, sleeping with the, one of the women the Bajoran women, and then tries to execute her to get rid of the evidence. Mm-hmm. Well, what He's... was he supposed to do? That's true. It's true. But, uh, no, I, like, I was having that discussion on Twitter this week with a, a buddy of mine, and I was with like, Elon you know Musk. what? I know Josh can appreciate this discussion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, Kaiwen is definitely one of my favorites. I think she is one of, if not the best villain in Star Trek. Yeah. And, you know, shout out to Louise Fletcher, the late Louise Fletcher, rest in peace, uh, for doing such a good, wonderful acting performance with Kai Wynn. Yeah. 
top tier. Absolutely. Yeah, sad she passed this year. But um, if you had to choose one category that you're most looking forward to this year for this week, Ooh. Josh, what would it be? A lot of qualifiers there this year, this week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hmm. I think maybe weapon. Most years, I'm not excited about the weapon. That it's, it's like, like okay, like I'll pick one that I enjoyed. But there were some weapons I really liked this year. So I don't, I don't know. Like there are some other ones that are like just personal favorites. But I was surprised by how many cool weapons there were this year that really there stood were out. A lot. There were a lot. So I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. looking forward to that. I am too. But before we get any further into the show. I want a quick palate cleanser. You know, we're going to risk uh, Nintendo coming down on us for this one. But uh, I think it's worth it. I think it's worth it. Josh is playing this game before the show. Blaring this music. It's great music. <laughs> Wanted to share it with everybody. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It slaps. That's from, it slaps. That's from Donkey Kong 94 from the Game Boy. It's oh, called yeah. Jungle Theme from World 4. Oh, yeah. You're welcome. Look that up on YouTube if you want some good humping tunes. Look that up on the YouTube, Zoomers. <laughs> yeah, fucking Zoomers. Get off your TikTok. Get on YouTube. But anyways, uh, so I want to explain the ground rules, especially if this is your first time being here. The period of consideration for our awards is December 1st, 2021 to November 30th, 2022. This is our way of making sure that games from the previous year can get the proper notice. In today's proceedings, which is the second of three weeks, we are allowed one tie. For example, if there is one category today where I have two choices that I just can't pick between, I announce that I am using my tie and discuss both of my choices. Nobody is required to use this tie, but it's available for those who wish to use it. Also, since it is a celebration, we are allowed to very briefly mention any runner-ups that we feel passionate about. After we give our personal choices for the categories, we will discuss what our group choice here is here at Swordchomp. In years past, We've kept an order to which each person discusses their choice. So, for example, me, Rich, Josh, me, Rich, Josh, me, Rich, Josh. As we tried out and eventually succeeded with last week, I will distribute the duty of going first as evenly as I can amongst everyone to make it fair. So, here are the categories we will be discussing today. Favorite weapon, favorite art direction, most influential game of 2022, most punchable face in gaming, Favorite gaming mechanic, favorite ecosystem, favorite moment, our brand new category, favorite feel-good game, favorite boss, favorite character, and favorite narrative. Um, our, like I said, our new category this year is favorite feel-good game. Last year we did favorite remaster, but there weren't as many remasters this year that we either got to or the market just didn't see as many as they have in the past few years. So we felt like it would be a limited conversation, so we decided to change it to something more fitting for us this year. I'm excited to break in that category, but without further ado, let's get started on the Daggertooth Awards. And we're going to start that off with Favorite Weapon. And Rich, you have the fortunate pleasure of starting off this entire week 
of awards. So take it away. Rich, what is your favorite weapon for 2022? A lot of contenders in the year of our Lord 2022. Mm. Um, but I got to mm. give it up to Amen. Uh, God of War Ragnarok's drop near spear. Hey. I fucking love that thing. Um, so uh, one of my bigger questions going into Ragnarok was thinking back to God of War 2018 and how they bring the Blades of Chaos back around like a good chunk into that game. I was like, there's got to be a third weapon. There's going to be a third weapon. When's it going to happen? And like kind of going into the start of the third act, Kratos forges a weapon uh, to kill Heimdall called the Dropnir Spear. Um, and boy, is that thing fucking cool for a number of reasons. One... It's cool to have Kratos using, like, a traditional Spartan weapon, and that's kind of the thing they drive home of, like, oh, it's a spear, it's, you know, the first weapon a Spartan learns to use, something Kratos is very familiar with, uh, it'll feel natural in his hand, but the whole uh, gimmick behind the spear is that it's forged using the drop near ring, which replicates <laughs> itself, so Kratos is just tossing this thing and breaking it and having it reappear in his hand, uh, you can detonate the spearheads after you toss them it just feels fluid it's like the best crowd control weapon in that game i think it's got a cool like it it, it comes together at a cool story moment it feels like something personal and important to kratos and it just really is my favorite weapon to use in that game and all the weapons even though there are only three all feel really good to use yeah i i'm gonna interject there and say that that I'm going to be end up using my tie for this category. Um, that was one of my two choices is the drop near spear. And I didn't expect to put it in the, in this list as one of my favorites because when I first got it, I was like, ah, it like, it's not powerful compared to the other two weapons. Like in terms of just sheer power, it doesn't really have that heft to it, but then you realize it's a, it's a more, uh, speed and finesse based weapon. And as you get more accustomed to it, because obviously I had so much time with the axe and we've all had so much time with the blades that this is a, you know, really new concept. And so it took me a little bit of getting used to. And then I realized that the spear ended up kind of becoming a security blanket in some of the tougher fights where, you know, I was afraid of getting too close to the enemy because they had like they hit harder. So I would, you know, dodge away and then I just chuck a bunch of spears and blow them up. And it didn't do a lot of damage with each spear hit, but over time you're dealing a decent amount of damage, especially if you get it good at blocking and dodging. So and uh, when you get that upgrade that lets you uh hold down triangle to charge the spearheads before they detonate, oh yes. You can that uh it just feels so good to use. It's implemented really smartly for uh, puzzle solving. Like, in fact, one of my bigger gripes about, like, puzzles feeling too samey in the first half of that game, I felt like could have been fixed by introducing that spear earlier. Yeah, and... yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the thing is, I think that what the game did really well, which you and I were talking about yesterday, Rich, is that it it takes... It, it very well could have been, like, we're just going to make you like introduce this third weapon and just choose whichever one you want to go through the rest of the game with. But I think the game uh, design is really smart to where there are pockets in the game to where you have to use all three weapons in a fight. Like you can't just stick with one. And it feels more organic and like the flow of switching between weapons mid combo. And even like it, it just, it feels good. 
Yes. I it mean, it's feels- not realistic, but it definitely feels good, like, especially in some of the most difficult fights in the game where you use, like, one of your special attacks from your axe. Well, you and know, I really you press want my the switch button to immediately go into your spear and launch into another attack. It feels really great. And the spear is just a brand new weapon. Very much enjoyed it. So, hell yeah. Yeah. Um, I, the only reason why I interjected there, because actually Josh's turn is next, is because obviously. Rich and I had the same choice there, but Josh, so, what right, is your trend, favorite yeah. weapon for this um, year? Th- there were a bunch here. Like I said, there were some really <laughs> cool ones from a variety of games. Um, mm. The implementation of a bunch of the old school Kirby power-ups in Forgotten yeah. Land felt great. That to that's use. where there's a handful there that I was in consideration of. Yeah. Um, all the cards slash weapons in neon white are outstanding. Um, drop near, like you said, and even even some of the changes to like uh, the Blades of Chaos are good because those were kind of meant to be the faster finesse weapons in the last God of War, and I was noticing they were hitting a little bit harder before I got that weapon. I'm like, okay, so this is good. I don't feel quite as comboy as I did with these but that just because they were but then making the room. spear becomes that missing link yeah yeah um like this the thought behind weapons uh this year really was excellent um but my choice here um my my favorite from the for the year uh is the shotgun from roller drum uh, which um is just a standard shotgun you'd think kind of close up does more damage whatnot um however if you time it right and this doesn't make any actual sense um but whatever um if you time it right you'll use a slug instead of shot um which is basically just if you pull off a dodge and then pull up your gun and time it right you'll get a slug shot that you can then headshot with which will do a lot more damage um and also is much more effective at range which kind of turns the gun into a really versatile weapon in that game um and then on top of that just you know the feel of zipping around on rollerblades, uh, doing tricks to get your ammo back, and then just dodging attacks from everywhere and blasting everybody attacking. It's so good, and I think it works the best with that shotgun of, of all the weapons in there. They're all, all the weapons kind of have their place, but I loved the shotgun in Roller Drum. Mm. That sounds like a lot of fun. That sounds like just like good natural flow of oh, yeah. what a weapon should be in a in a video game. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great choice. I wish I I wish I had time to play that game before the end of the year. Um so I'm using my tie right off the bat with this category, getting it out of the way. Like I said, the drop near spear from Ragnarok is my one, one of my choices. The other one, um, this one, I, I, I'm i not sure you guys will have to determine if it's bending the rules. I feel like it's not. 
Um, I'm listing the character Benedict from Triangle Strategy um, as a support character in that game. And the reason why is because each character in that game has a very specific class and a very specific style of things that they do. And I think with with a tactics game, a tactics game more than any other, it can feel like each character is a specific kind of weapon. Um, and so the way I frame that is for me, Benedict, uh, you he has a basic sword, which that's not what you really use him for. What you really use him for is his ability to give you a second turn or to buff your characters. And um, I like. I I loved having him as a support character and at first I wasn't sold on him, but the more I used him, I was like, this guy gets me out of so many issues that I run into in this game where I, you know, I want to do this cool combination or I want to further advance my troops, but I can't without getting another turn in beforehand. And he gives your, your strategy so much versatility with being able to buff your characters or grant you an additional turn. So for me, like he ended up becoming an essential part in the game. Um, And he's not overpowered either because the ability to give you a second turn means you are waiting three additional turns to be able to do that again. So I felt like he was a well-balanced character and he, he was kind of like a break glass when, in case of emergency kind of thing. But I really liked using him a lot as a support character, and he became such a vital weapon to my offense in, and I guess you could say defense in triangle strategy. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I also like looking at human beings as tools. It makes it uh, easier and feels less personal when they die. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Um, Exactly. It's, it's, you're really going to hurt your strategy if you become attached to these characters. That's one of the reasons that I still get on you. You, you guys, you guys are suckers for the dogs in these games. But uh, mm-hmm. if you, if you let there. those go, if you let that 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 feeling just melt away, you'll no longer be held back. And writers know that dogs are just tools for emotional growth. Mm-hmm. Everything is a tool if you. Fuck it hard enough. You're you're a fucking tool. Yeah, fuck me hard enough, Daddy. Anyways, uh, so those are our choices for the first category for favorite <laughs> weapon. Uh, so next, uh, favorite art direction. Guess what, Josh? This is usually one of your favorite categories to do, and you get to start this one off. This is another tough one, because uh, there are some really... Str- always. Always, always. It's always a tough one. There were some really strong art directions this year um mm-hmm. really Preach. really strong um Preach. potionomics i i love that sort of painterly look and and how much character they give all the characters with with the animation work they've done right. so great for for a game where you are mostly just talking to other people it's it and it, you know it's great it works they, they they really leaned into that uh neon white is again or sorry uh solar ash is kind of Solar Ash moving is moving that hyper light drifter aesthetic into 3D, and mm-hmm. they did an excellent job of translating that from you know pixel art to 3D. Um, 
but but my choice is neon white. Uh, I was getting ahead of myself there. Um, the ridiculously clean uh, level design uh, with with lots of white and open space and just clean lines with pops of color here and there to make it so easily readable is excellent. Um, and you can you can tell that a lot of that was kind of influenced by uh, um, the original Mirror's Edge um, in order to make that first person platforming uh, be readable at such ridiculous speeds. Um, and also, it's just gorgeous to look at. Like, like they did a really excellent job with the the characters and everything. It all it all fits together and works with the gameplay so well that it's just a it's just a joy to be in that world. If I may take this opportunity to interject, that's also my pick. The <laughs> uh, white, yeah. Like, there's a lot that game does right, but I think the art is one of the major points. And to, with the credit of what you just said, Josh, like the art is also a key factor, not just pleasing aesthetic design, but making the gameplay work. Oh, like, yeah, it's yeah. a requirement for it to look as clean as it does, so it can play as well as it does. Because that game gets really busy at times with the number oh, of absolutely. enemies shooting at you and it it could be overwhelming if they didn't make it read so quickly mm. Mm. okay do you have anything else you want to add to that rich or no um i mean i think josh was pretty succinct with it just like that like again the, the my main reasoning was like i just said what he was kind of going with it it it's flat and reads and is clean but also somehow still really pops and has this nice over-the-top character design and weird anime aesthetic uh littered with john cena jokes so great great look for that game (laughs) good good choices from both of you i think it is a very interesting looking game for sure um on my short list because this is one of the ones that i had the hardest time with this category i had um i of course had god of war ragnarok for its and Elden Ring as well, just both of them for their stunning yeah. beauty and realism and just next level detail. It, it's both those games are fucking technical marvels and they cannot be overstated how amazing those games look and in large part due to their I think art someone direction. there's some people I know who might be able to find a way to overstate it. <laughs> right yeah. um infernax is a personal like runner-up of yeah. mine just because yeah. i really That's love the one. sprite work sprite work in that game um it harkens back to a past era of gaming that i hold near and dear to my heart and they do some interesting stuff with that artwork um i really like the artwork in tunic as well obviously we've talked about that game to death this uh this past week i think that art direction is great as well. But my actual choice, I think, to nobody's surprise, is actually going to be Trek to Yomi uh, as my personal oh, okay, f- yeah. favorite favorite art direction for this that year. That is a gorgeous game. It, it is, you know, like... That's the thing it does best, I would say. That That is that is the absolute highlight of that game, and I, I'm a sucker for it, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah, I am yeah. a sucker for that... Um, that look that it is pulling off. I'm I'm spacing the director's name. Um, oh God, this is gonna fucking bother me. The, now. the game director or the no no the the director Kurosawa. Uh, 
Kurosawa. Kurosawa, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. yes. Um, that style of samurai film or just yeah. visual presentation is just simply breathtaking, and it's so heavily ingrained in Japanese history, mythology. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot behind that style, that art style, and it, honestly, living in Japan. It's it's been fun. It was fun during that time when I was playing that game, and you know, some of my students or my friends would ask me, "What have you been up to recently?" And I'd be like, "Oh, I've been playing this game called Trek to Yomi," and they're like, "I have no idea what that is." And I show them, and they're like, "That's really cool," you know, like to see that that kind of game has made its way somewhat to the Western mainstream appeal. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's that's just an added bonus for me personally. That doesn't really speak to the actual art direction itself but i just love seeing the the black and white and sepia tone of the game and what was really cool is that there were a few times in the game where it did infuse color into it and it was very very carefully selected and it was a very and like there were very specific colors or color that was chosen and i know that's like that's such a weird thing to not want to spoil um I don't want to spoil that just it's because if you haven't thing. played the game, it is a really cool usage of color when it's used. But yeah, I, I, I understand that not everyone's going to jive with that black, black and white and sepia style of the game, or they think that it's kind of a gimmicky and that's fine. I mean, I, I, I don't, I would never fault anyone for thinking that for me, it, it's what sold me on the game. So I, I really like the art direction in Trek to Yomi. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Good pick. All right. Well, we're coming right back around to me with most influential game of 2022. And um, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I I initially had God of War Ragnarok here due to the stunning level of detail um, that the game has. And then, um, and this might be a little bit of recency bias. I don't think so. I Elden Ring is my choice for this year. Um, this is probably the only category that I am going to choose Elden Ring for. I do think that this is probably the most influential game of 2022. Um, obviously, we chose uh, Breath of the Wild, or we would have chosen Breath of the Wild back in 2017 when that game came out. Mm-hmm. Elden Ring, to me, is um, comparable in a lot of ways in the fact that the the stunning level of detail that this game has and it doesn't pose a single load screen, which I know is not um, uncommon these days. I mean, it's becoming more and more common to have games without load screens, but the fact that this game has so much detail with next to no uh, frame rate issues, visual issues, any kind of technical issues. I have like, I've been playing that game here pretty recently and I haven't run into a single technical issue. And that game just keeps going and keeps going. And like whenever I go into somewhere like a like a cave or a forest or a, a castle, there is so much detail to find in that game. It really is insane how technical this game is. And on top of that, you include all the systems that are in place. Um all the ver- like it, it is a from software game, so there's a lot 
of systems there in place but the fact that all of that exists inside of this massive open world game that is technically sound and never has a load screen it to me is in, is next level you know uh in terms of thinking about influence you know you other yeah other future games are going to be looking at the technical prowess of this game and trying to figure out how to get on that level yeah i wish i would have gone back to this here in the last couple of weeks because at launch this thing only ran well in the steam deck um i was running and, the ps4 version on ps5 which which ran which was well. the second best way to play the thing yeah um um and to keep up with the interjecting this is also my pick yeah uh Good. yeah uh, for a lot of uh similar reasons on that i do think much in the same you compared it to like breath of the wild having that same i think this is like very much piggybacking on a lot of the breath of the wild stuff in just what kind of shit can you like load into a massive open world and just trust the player to find, which makes for some of the best gaming moments. And Mm -hmm. I hope it's as influential as I think it will be because I, I love that this kind of stuff keeps happening and we're building like, this is the best example of what an open world should be to me. Like you don't need to hold my hand. Yeah. And yeah, like it uses every inch of its open world and packs it with interesting things, but you can't always say that. And, uh, kind of like what Shay said earlier, it, it's it's really kind of taking that legacy from Breath of the Wild of just letting yeah. you go. Um, yeah, exactly. And th- frankly, that game was extremely influential, and we had a bunch of open world games with fuck all to do in them. Um, that after just, that yeah. came out, and I'm I'm hoping this game, someone taking the right lessons from Continues Breath of the Wild, to be pushed forward. Yeah, sort of reinforces what that's supposed to be used what, for. What worked about it, yeah. yeah. Because, like you said, a lot of people took the wrong lessons, and yeah. like they took the base ideas, but just couldn't keep up with like that sense of discovery and wonder that Breath of the Wild had. And I think Elden yeah. Ring successfully does that. Yeah, and I, I do. I, I hope that that kind of re uh, reinforces that. Yeah, yeah, reinforces yeah the right lessons from that game and i mean obviously i i assume nintendo knows the right lessons that they never assume nintendo knows something well but i mean they made the first one so like but that could have been an accident it could have been a fluke but my my hope being with with breath of the wild 2 that that again gets reinforced and and we get to the point of i'm very hopeful this is what the open world can be used for when if do when, right whenever no can it's defend. not just there for no reason yeah if do right no can defend yeah yes yes exactly josh what was your pick for this category uh my pick is kind of a hopeful one because i i'm still not in i mean the elden ring kind of seems like it might be a hopeful one as well because there are plenty of bad open world games uh i'm hoping uh but my my hopeful one, and as much as people talked about it at the time, I I I, I think I think maybe, um, Pokemon Legends Arceus finally hey, doing something new choice. with the Pokemon formula and giving mm. us this kind of immersive world to hop into and just catch Pokemon and just you know be there in the world with them was great um and obviously they've taken a lot of that 
uh, already a lot of that has been brought back into the mainland Pokemons with with some issues because it's a much more involved game going back into Scarlet and Violet, and it seems like they are having a rough go of it, trying to put some of those systems back into the mainline series. But it seems like that's the direction that they're kind of heading, like the where the world and actually being in it is more worse immersive. Um, and I really hope that they continue that because frankly, they, they, there's some bugs that need to be ironed out this go around. Hopefully, hopefully they can just patch a lot of that to eventually get to a point where this, this, you know, the new one is not as buggy as it was on launch. Um, right, right. But I had so much fun just kind of experiencing something new in a Pokemon game. Um, and I think everyone else did. Like, I didn't see a lot of takes that were talking about how this is just completely the wrong direction to go with the franchise when it dropped. It seemed like people were really loving it, other other than a few people just complaining about frame rate issues and whatnot, which, hmm. yes... Games can look a lot better than either of the Pokemon games that came out this year on the Switch. So it, it's odd that they run as poorly as they do. But yeah, it's yeah. I still, mean, still, d- design-wise, I really hope we see more of that going forward. I think, like, honestly, it's the closest thing we've gotten to any kind of immersive, like, Pokemon game to date. And... Yeah, I, I think this is a great choice. It was also on my short list, to be honest with you. I think that bought, like ignoring some of the, the major issues with Pokemon Legends Arceus, such as the simplistic battle system, um, or the, like you said, the frame rate, or just visual issues that the game kind of had. I think that this, honestly... It, any more entries into this style of game is honestly more interesting to me at this point than the mainline games. And that's not to say I dislike the mainline games. I really do like the mainline games and I've enjoyed them for many, many years, but I had so much fun with the design and the creativity of legends Arceus, like being able to go out into the world and seeing all those animals in the environment and being able to catch them and, just discovering them in different biomes was so fascinating. It really was. Um, being able to to see those and to be able to see, you know, alphas in the world and to be able to see shinies in the world and being able to see different Pokemon at different times a day was just fantastic. And honestly, to, to like build off a little bit... Um, of what you're saying, even going into like Jubilife Village felt so yeah. much more fun and entertaining than going to a typical city or town in the mainline games. Like if yeah. to me it felt more vibrant and full of life because you you explored every inch of Jubilife Village multiple times. Yeah, well that and just you feel more connected with the world whenever you're doing stuff from that kind of over-the-shoulder tossing Pokeballs, throwing up Pokemon feeling. It, just, it makes you feel more connected to the world, to the place. And so whenever you're talking to anybody else in town, it just, it doesn't feel like some sectioned-off thing quite as much. Mm. Um, 
And I think that really helped kind of with yes. not just that part of the gameplay, but with a lot of the the rest of the framing of the mm. game. Right, right. I I hope that this style of Pokemon game continues going forward. I wish that the mainline game more adopt like like Pokemon Legends Arceus ended up becoming more the mainline with yeah. some of the features from the mainline game rather than vice versa, to be yeah. honest with you. Well, I mean, they. my guess is they're going to kind of converge, again, just judging from Scarlet and Violet. It looks like they took a lot of Cues. good things from Legends Arceus. Um, so, yeah, I'm, 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 I think that's, that's my guess, is that it's... Hmm there's going to be some sort of convergence between the two moving forward. They're going to get. I hope that Scarlet a lot and Violet of... feel like a half step of that convergence. Yeah. Um, and now knowing how much of it was like very widely received in Arceus, I could see them going like, okay, we kind of need to whole cloth, take a few more of those ideas. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yep. That's a great choice though. Pokemon legends, Arceus. Um, so next is, the category Rich has been most looking forward to. Most punchable face in gaming. Um, I'll pretend like I have no idea what you're about to say. Sure. Go for it. It's Heimdall, baby. Uh, <laughs> we all know it's Heimdall. Um, I talked, if anyone's listened to that uh, God of War CAD, there's just something about that motherfucker. And what it is is of all the gods Kratos goes up against in this new take on God of War, Heimdall is the one who is most like the gods from the original God of War trilogy. Mm. He is just an arrogant prick who thinks who the fuck he is, and you can't help but cheer when Kratos fucking strangles that motherfucker until he stops breathing. You're just like, yeah, fuck this guy, fuck everything about him. And it's not just a prophecy that, you know, says he's going to the undoing of Atreus and all that. It's just that he's a dick and should be dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like, to be honest with you, like I said yesterday, I think he he's a really good contender for this category because the second you meet him, he's a dick to Atreus for no reason. And basically he... He threatens well, I mean, to... other than the haircut. He did deserve a little of that bullying. A little. A, a little. He takes it too far, I agree. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah, have tried yeah. to throw him off a wall. Yes, exactly. And <laughs> there's there's not a single redeeming quality about that character from beginning to end. And his face is just forever put in that cocky, haughty look of, I'm better than you. Yeah. Uh, if he were until... in... If he were in God of War 3, Kratos would have cut his head off and used it as a weapon. Exactly. Yeah. So, that that is a great choice, to be honest with you, Rich. But I still believe I have the better contender there. But that's for later in the back we'll end of the show. We'll see. Yeah. Josh, what is your most punchable face in gaming for 2022? Ooh, um, there are a lot of good ones in God of War. Uh, that's that's that That game... Probably has quite a few of the entries. Um, there, there are quite a few in Norco as well, w- w- with their their you know, proud boy stand-ins uh, and whatnot. There, there are a lot of just shit-eating grins in that game that you'd lo- love to wipe off their face and into the pavement. Um, 
Uh, however, just kind of given the really overly personal nature of it, and it's also the whole framing device, Yang from Sifu, the uh, the, the leader of, of that mm. uh, group of First students. First sighting of Sifu this year, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, anyway, he's, he's the guy that killed your dad right in front of him, and you trained for 20 years to be able to kill him and all of his friends uh, for... for killing your dad and trying to kill you as as a child and uh he's just so smug all all of the bosses in that game are ridiculously smug because you know they they thought they were better than this old man who who taught them how to fight and yeah it's the the cast in that game is excellent like you you want you really they they do such a good job of of making you want revenge in that game um and it it really really works with yang uh especially by having you start the game as him um and you know it's 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 great it's it's yeah um yeah yang yang is such a good villain in that game that's a good choice. That's a good choice. Basically, smug people get the automatic nod for a punchable yeah, face. Yeah, right, us. right. There were there were some good options this year. Yeah, uh, there definitely were. So my runner up for this category, I want to very briefly mention, are the misbegotten enemies in Elden Ring. They basically are these flying imp-like creatures that have the Attack on Titan Titan faces. Uh, whenever they're attacking you, which I fucking hate those faces. I yeah, th- they're not really so much as terrifying as they're just fuck like they they're just so fucking punchable. They're like s- like evil like evil but smug about their evilness. But now my actual choice is the the CEO. Uh, he unaffectionately names him nicknames himself or the CEO, who is the megalomaniac of the Pharaoh's tomb mission from Horizon Forbidden West. Ah, um, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, for those of you that don't know, basically Aloy goes to this um island nation area where basically she's trying to recruit this one lady to help her cause and this lady is a part of this tribe and they all answer to the CEO. And he uh he he is this believer in Ted Pharaoh, this guy from before the whole apocalyptic things happen. And the whole premise of you meeting this guy is he's very controlling. He thinks and he's a reincarnation of Jeff Bezos. Pretty much. And what ends up happening with this guy... He didn't even give guy, a real TED talk. It was a TEDx. And... <laughs> what ends up happening with this guy is he basically forces Aloy to wear this clothing upon penalty of death while he wears uh, clothing from the the late Ted Farrow, and they enter Farrow's tomb to basically bring in a new era of Pharaohism. He's fully and, torqued for this whole thing. And he's just like, he's talking in these grandiose terms of like, the world will be reborn. And yeah. Like, I, I want to punch this guy already, and I never got to this point of the game. I will lead the charge, and... Um, it is a main story mission. It's not one that you can miss, unfortunately. He's basically all those guys you've been seeing defending Elon Musk on Twitter. 
Mm-hmm. No, no, he, 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 no, not so much that. I would and say also he thinks Elon he's Musk the next himself. coming of Elon Musk. Yeah. Not so much a defending. He thinks he's the the second coming of one of those guys. But yeah. basically, even when he's dying. I mean, it's the same thing, really. It's not like any of them have any actual real skills. He just doesn't think like us, bro. So, like, he, he sets his minions basically to die for him as they go into this tomb and start getting attacked by these creatures. But. It goes a step further than that. When he's dying, he's asking people to sacrifice themselves for him. And he ends up be- becoming betrayed by his own men. Because his men are like, this guy fucking sucks by the end of that mission. Good. Good so, for them. Yes. There's, so, there's some hope there. But uh, yeah, that guy, by and large, the biggest fucking douchebag in gaming this year. And most punchable face in my opinion goes to him so i like it there's a good argument to be made for that yeah so anyways you uh, might have actually brought me around because i just that game feels so in my rearview mirror that i wasn't even thinking about it but god i know you're you're kind of fucking right like that's as i my backup pick was uh find a way to say it was elon musk and i think that's as close as Uh, (laughs) you kind of did it yeah 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 (laughs) No, that 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 fucking guy. But um, you know, I forgot to mention in uh, favorite art direction, Horizon Forbidden West is up it there is too. It is strong. I so forgot strong. to mention I, that. I, God, I love the enemy design in that game. Both those games, it, just, yes, yeah. and, so and the aquatic, such top tier designs. The aquatic ecosystems in that game are, are top notch as well. Yeah, yeah I should have mentioned mm-hmm. that sooner, but. Um, yeah, so that's most punchable face in gaming. That's that's always a fun category we do. Oh, a favorite yeah. game. Hold on, let me check really quick. We're doing pretty good on time, actually. We're we're flying. Um, a favorite gaming mechanic. Now, this is one that's always kind of like, I think it's one of the more difficult ones for us to discuss because sometimes we're like, is this a gaming mechanic? Is this a feature? You know, like what is this? This is one of the ones that uh, I always personally struggle with to come up with something that is, in fact, a gaming mechanic. But thankfully, I don't have the pleasure of starting it off. Josh does. Josh, what is your favorite gaming mechanic from this year? This this is another tough one, Uh, frankly, because I think I play the most games with unique mechanics because that's kind of what I look for. Usually, that's true. That's Uh, true. Like every now and then, like when I was talking about, like. Um, IQ the robot or whatnot. Like, this is just a solid ass Metroidvania that does all the Metroidvania things well. Um, I'll just I'll play something that's just you know, not really trying to go that far beyond and create a whole new genre or anything like that. But mm. this is kind of my bread and butter, which makes this is one of the harder categories every year. Um, yeah. For sure. Um, this 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 is a tough one. Um, uh, I really liked in Patrick's Parabox the idea. I don't. I don't. I told you about this game when it came out, but we talked about it. Yeah. 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 It's, anyway, it's a block pushing puzzle, but where the room you're in can also be a block in the room you're in that you're pushing. If, yeah, 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 mm. but, which leads to some just ridiculous 
mind mind bending type puzzles. However, it's still kind of you're still pushing blocks. Like that's that's the oldest of puzzle types in games. Uh they just they finally found a new way to do something neat with that concept, which no one's no one's done anything new with block pushing puzzles in the last 30 years. So good on them. Um I really like the manual pages as a collectible in Tunic. The idea of... We talk about this a lot, about Metroidvanias being gated by knowledge. Um, and this kind of took that to the the conclusion of, like, that that's... Every, every upgrade you get is just an upgrade to your knowledge. Uh, I think that kind of... It really did perfect that style of metroidvania but again that's a thing that's existed um this is tough man this is uh um well let me interject there and say yeah let me make this a little easier on you yeah yeah, yeah. my choice for favorite gaming mechanic was collecting the game manual pages and tuning okay all right so we can talk about that a little more good 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 that, that was absolutely my choice and the yeah. reason the reason being is because like you're saying that the other games have done it to where like there are knowledge and information gaps and as you collect things you solve it more i think about like final fantasy 8 with the albed primers that you yep. collect in the order to better ten. understand language that's a that's a thing but i think this definitely takes it a step further because like the pages are essential for you absolutely um, you, because you it, cannot it, like, get through it this gives game you, it gives you them. maps it gives you ways to solve all the secret puzzles and um hidden things within the game there are so many things hidden within this game and it's all gated behind a fictitious uh language that again we've talked about all year and cannot send enough praise josh was able to um figure out the language all on his own and put that up at storeshop.com in our article section if you ever want to read about that but anyways um at some point maybe i'll do a full translation of all the text in the game but that's probably a ways out Uh, right but just the fact that there's so much information in the game and there are so many little secrets that you can discover if you are able to decipher the language and you're able to have those pages in general is such a cool cool concept that hasn't been done exactly like this and the thing that i i really like about it is it it's a actually a good marriage of generations past of gaming and generations present because one of the things that yeah for me that i love doing which a lot of other nostalgic um millennials and gen x or gamers would love to do is when we would buy a game flip through that manual and just look and that oh, was absolutely. such a cool feature when you would buy a, a physical copy of a game. I used to and do that as a kid, like in the car right on the way home. That was just, that yes. was one of my favorite things was to just, was just flip through that manual and find out everything I could before getting home well, with a new game. Yeah, or even like going on a car ride somewhere like your mother's like, you need to come with me to the grocery store. You're like, okay. Sometimes I would pull those manuals out of the discs. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the disc uh, covers or the the cases and i would read those on the car ride to and from the grocery store like yeah. that was such a cool thing and i think that this is a beautiful blend of that where you actually find the game manual yeah. in digital form and it's they're unlockables and 
Yeah. They, yeah. they help you, they not only help you discover secrets, but it is a way for you to kind of recapture that nostalgia. So for me, this absolutely yeah. was my favorite gaming mechanic of this year, bar none. Yeah. No, no, that's, I get, I think I was going to use my tie for this, this year. It's just kind of why I was hemming and hawing so much. I was debating where I was going to use my tie. And, and I think, I, I think tunic is, is tied for, for my favorite. Um, yeah. Which is why, again, all the hemming and hawing, but yeah, the, the, those, the manual system is something I've got a real strong connection to from being, I didn't have a lot of games as a kid other than uh, my dad having a computer for work uh, mm. that was at home, and so I'd get to play stuff on there and download, well, not download, you had to find the discs of it, but shareware games, uh, uh, Prince of Persia, the original Prince of Persia, one of my favorite games ever, was shareware on on the old uh, which Mac was this? It was one of the early Performa Macs. Mm. Um, that that it was probably on several. But anyway, um, that game you couldn't play without the manual. Same thing. Uh, not 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 for the same reasons where you just didn't know mechanics, but because the drm in that game uh was you'd finish the second level and it would give you a room full of potions and it would say what's the first letter of the the third word in paragraph four um from the manual on like page whatever um and you'd have to go find that in the manual and or just play those first two levels over and over and over again and hope that you picked the right letter um, which is how I did that as a kid because <laughs> I, right. I had the shareware version and hadn't, you know, I hadn't sent off, uh, the, the 15, $20, I can't remember what it was to have them send me the manual. So I would just play those levels over and over again and hope that I guessed the right potion to drink that wouldn't kill me and start the game over, but would let me continue. Um, and so getting this game. And and having the manual be such an integral part of getting through the game just really mm. brought me back to this this idea of oh I absolutely um need the information in here like yeah years years after the fact I I found someone who had like a stapled together copy of that original Prince of Persia manual mm. um. And it it just it felt magic. <laughs> Whenever I found someone who had that manual, and, and obviously, right. obviously not the original thing, um, but yeah, yeah, um, still feels good, man. Yeah, yeah, just 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 magical. Um, feels mm. good. Yeah. Okay, I do. I love that. Um, but my other tie there, and this one mm. is a much more just straightforward. This is how the game works mechanic ass mechanic um doing a trick to reload in roller drum feels really damn good that's Um, mine oh my god that's that's so funny that's so funny that my time was both of yours yeah that it it makes no sense but it's really cool actually like the fourth or fifth world i can't i anyway at one point like if you're reading through all the extra stuff you can find in one of the like locker rooms before before the match at the beginning of a world, 
someone explains that um, if you please the fans, and not just the fans, but the the fans who are paying for like the executive boxes for these roller yeah, drum yeah, yeah. matches by doing a cool enough trick that they'll throw ammunition your way. So this is apparently in universe something gifted to you from your betters up there in the executive boxes if if you look cool enough while killing i for one support our overlords and i'm yeah. glad that they deem me worthy enough to fight on their behalf in the exactly. coliseum exactly <laughs> and so like in universe it does an awful lot to support how fucked up the world is but then also just in game it feels so good to be able to just try to string together these tricks and and keep a combo chain going yeah to be like i did a fun kickflip and now my shotgun's full <laughs> exactly it's very it's very it's very satisfying it's so and good. like very conducive to what they're trying to do with the flow state of that game oh yeah absolutely absolutely um it, again it's doing a very different thing than you know that manual thing in tunic but it, it's it is it's very much I, I absolutely loved both of these for for kind of doing a completely different thing with what even can I do in a game. Uh, yeah. and I think both of these were just really kind of expanded the medium as far as as far as that goes. Um, Agreed. Yeah, those are those are both great choices, and the the one that you're talking about sounds like a ton of fun. To be honest with you, so. It's so good. It's so much fun. I that everything like, you tell me about that game makes me want to play it more and more. You really, you really, you really do neat. need to get to run, get that game to it. is real neat. Oh yeah, I do need to get around to it. Well, now we're going coming to a category that's I think pretty exclusive to us. It's one that we've done for many years. Um, favorite ecosystem. It is always one of my favorite categories to do uh, for obvious reasons. I I went to school for ecology. And so for me, it's always fun to talk about this category. It's honestly the one that I'm most looking for in a game every year. You know, it's it's such a niche thing for me. There were a lot of really good contenders for this this year. Like in in, cer- in certain years, there are like there are like one or two choices, maybe three if I'm lucky for me. But this this year, dude. There were so many good contenders this year. It's insane, to be honest with you, how many contenders there were. Like, just to go to go through a list, um, a short list for me, of Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, you know, Horizon Zero Dawn actually won the first year that we did this category. Um, just all the different uh, creatures that you come across, all those mechanical um animals that you come across and that's not even to include all the other animals within the game that pack out this lush wildlife um in this game there there's a ton of wildlife there god of war ragnarok i think there could be a case made for that ecosystem there is a there are a ton of uh different animals and things that you run into in the game there and it's 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 cool because there there are some side missions in the game that specifically have to do with the wildlife and that wa- how wildlife and just nature is merged with mythology in the game. I think it's interwoven in such a creative and unique way. 
like I said recently, I've been playing Elden Ring, and I think that is another good case for favorite ecosystem. Not only are the monsters that are and uh, supernatural or fantastical creatures that pack out this world, but there there are also other animals that pack out the world as well. Yeah, and yeah. They, they interact with each other as well, which I think is something they took really well from uh, um, um, shoot, my brain is failing me. Um, Dark Souls, all of those, Bloodborne. Christ, what's what's the what's... Demon Souls? No, no. Sekiro? Sekiro? Sekiro, Sekiro. There it goes. Oh my God, my brain was just completely not letting me remember that word. Shadows die twice. Yeah, from Sekiro with 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 that one, there were warring factions going on, and I think they mm. took a lot of those ideas and brought them into Elden Ring, and it, it's really cool having enemies in fights with each other. Right. Um, in an open world as well. It like it's it's really good. Yeah, that that was cool. Um, I agree with you. Tunic, I think there could be a case made for that game with the ecosystem, the way it works. Uh, Tinykin, honestly, I mm-hmm. think is a creative and unique, e- fun ecosystem. Yeah, that is fun. Collect- having, you know, the, yeah. a lot of times in that like the far future, like humanity's now gone, but someone's taking our place type things. It's, you know, it's apes. It's something else around our same size, but it's really, it's really fun having that take of, oh, humanity's gone and whatnot, and the people that have replaced us are the bugs, which makes much more sense just from a, just the sheer number of them sense, but it's it's yes. really fun seeing these human spaces kind of taken yeah. over by sentient Occupied bugs. by insects, yeah. It's, it's really good. Sort of, like, yes. resorted to tribal living and... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there are a lot of good choices for this category, but um, none even, in my opinion, come close to Pokemon Legends Arceus is the definitive choice for this year. It's I, so good. It's, are we all, did we all put that down? Because that's what I put That's too. That's my number two, actually. I've, I've got yeah. another one, but also, it's also still early access. So technically, since it's my runner-up, it's probably this for that. No, that's fine. Like, if if yours, if you feel stronger about a different one, just stick with it. Don't no, worry I, about I, that. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that, but I'm just saying when we get to yeah. the actual group yeah. choice, yeah. since it's yeah. still in early access, I'm probably not gonna fight for it. Is is my point? So right, okay. I'll get to it when like, I get to it. Okay, but with Pokemon Legends Arceus, to me, this is what I've always envisioned a Pokemon game being. You know, yeah. you you get your character, you set them up, you get some reason for going out into the world. And then you're set and you just go out and you yeah. just collect Pokemon. And the thing about it is, to me, this is exactly how I have always imagined a Pokemon game where you have a reason for catching these Pokemon. You're filling out a Pokedex. Yeah. You are building the fucking Pokedex on this island. And you're doing it by catching all these Pokemon and different kinds of Pokemon and different kinds of ways. And yeah. It gives you a reason to collect, but it gives you a reason to explore different areas to see new Pokemon. It's like, it's like, to me, it's like whenever I've gone on a hike and part, part of the hike is, you know, just being out in nature and just being bathed by nature. But part of that too, is seeing what animals you can see and Mm -hmm. how they interact with the natural world. And if you can catch glimpses of that, because it's a world that's 
largely sheltered from us in our more urban style of living. Um, and this game is a great representation of that. And there are a few games that have captured that so well. I think Red Dead 2 is another one that has captured that idea yeah. very well. The hunting and was like my favorite thing in that game. Yeah, it's so good. And like to me, this feels like one of the closest closest examples of what it means to be like an ecologist like to oh yeah to go out there and capture these i mean not containing and keeping the pokemon obviously that's not a part of it but to like i re- i remember in college you know when we would capture animals safely for for identification purposes and whatnot and it was similar to this you know where you capture a bunch of pokemon you're identifying features you're identifying qualities and then you set them free in a safe and controlled way and that's what this game feels like to me this is exactly what pokemon should have been all along and now that technology has been able to catch up yeah i'm glad that we got this kind of game and i really i like with where josh was saying for most influential game of 2022 I, I'm happy he put it in that because, like, this is where I want Pokemon to go going forward. Yeah. yeah. This this is the Pokemon game I've wanted since the N64. And they're like, look at this amazing fleshed-out world you've got in Pokemon Snap. But you're on these tracks. You can't go see any more yeah, of it. Like, this, this is the—it feels like the research game. And yeah, like, like this— Scratching that itch is so absolutely. insanely satisfying. I've wanted this game for so long that finally getting it— is is oh my god so satisfying i mean like if i'm being honest with myself and with you guys part of the reason i mean part of the reason why i haven't prioritized scarlet and violet is because of all the issues that that game has been having technical technically speaking but a big part of it too is i'm afraid that like after having played pokemon legends arceus i won't want to go back to the mainline games that is a legitimate fear of mine it's a different conversation there is a lot of stuff from those games and like once they're patched up and doing a little better that they took in like i wish they'd take a little bit more but you know like shiny hunting works on the same level mass outbreaks are still a thing like there is a lot that they kept and and that's good i just i feel like while while that stuff is great like there are people that love the mainline games because they love getting into competition and battling each other and like getting into the finer details of that. And there's no I've reason had, both like can't for me, coexist. I've had my fill of that stuff. Like I'm good. Yeah. Like I, I want to focus more on the exploration and discovering Pokemon and doing research, and that's why like Pokemon Legends Arceus was such a welcome change for me, and that's why like it easily is my favorite ecosystem of this year. Well, I, I think that that speaks to like my mentality, like as I've gotten older in Pokemon games has been like not like breeding an elite team and becoming a great battler. I'm like, oh, I think I'd really like to complete the Pokedex. Yeah. Like that's the part of it that I like. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's my choice. Rich, that's your choice as well, right? Yeah. 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 Josh, what what is your personal choice for this category? Uh, My, my choice for this one. And again, like I said. Pokemon Legends Arceus is a very close runners up, so I, I yeah. Um, the Rising, the survival vampire base building slash PvP game, I think works so well because it's got a really fleshed out world with 
you know, different animals that are interacting with each other. Um, hmm. Just like a, a full, a full ecosystem with, you know, different, different creatures that are all kind of occupying their same, you know, their own spot on the food chain. And then on top of that, also like NPC vampires doing their own thing and, and other monsters. And then also villages full of townspeople kind of living their own lives who are also interacting with the animals and the other vampires there. And it all feels, it feels much more like a, like almost like a clockwork sort of smaller contained world to it. Um, that I really like, um, like everything feels consistent within it. Uh, and it makes you just feel like you're a part of this little simulation when you're playing the game. Um, and, um, yeah, the, the, the gameplay can be kind of deadly in a lot of situations and you'll end up in these situations where you'll just, I, I want to run away and I'll, I'll intentionally run through a, a group of some other things that I know are not fans of the thing trying to kill me right now uh, in order to help me run away sometimes um, playing that game. And that's just, that's a feeling that, that, that really simmy nature of, of a world is something that I love. I, I love that from like a lot of the old, PC uh RPGs and a lot of mm. like the 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 immersive sims that's that's something that I really like uh the idea of just being able to use the world for your favor and and the the environment itself is kind of a big part of that in V Rising um it it, it comes together so well That's cool that's a cool choice that I definitely didn't expect but I remember you talking about this game earlier this year so yeah, yeah, I really can't wait for uh like the full release of that and and also to hopefully get some more people uh involved with that because it's fun enough single player, but I think where it really shines is that um that multiplayer aspect of oh, uh, me me and my one other friend or two other friends are going to start in this corner of the map and and kind of build our base and expand from there because you've got multiple places you can start on a given map and also a pvp aspect where like you can go raid each other's bases and whatnot and try to steal all the crap that you've collected there's 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 so much going on in this game um in order to make you again feeding back into that sort of the entire semi nature of the world is really cool. Um, one of my favorite things is sometimes you'll kill enemies uh, or, or like loot chests that'll have silver in them and that'll slowly damage your vampire character as you carry it until you're able to like go drop it off at a chest. That's pretty or, good. Or like it's, yeah, it's, it's such a cool thing that they're able to like, I've not seen a game do that before. And it's like, it makes sense, you know, as far as the world and the lore goes, but like no one, no one puts that level of detail into a lot of these games. And that, that sort of attention is paid to everything in the game. And it's really, it's really cool. 
That's dope. Good choice, man. I'm I'm glad you picked something a little out of the ordinary because I feel like, and this is not a bad thing at all. I mean, it means we, we're we're all you know similar in thought here. But a lot of the things that we've been cho- cho- choosing, choosing, choosing has been very similar to each other. You know, we've had a lot of overlap, so it's always good to get a little bit out of the box, out of the ordinary. So, yeah, glad to see it. Uh, Rich, you get to kick off favorite moment of 2022. I think this is going to be this is probably the most personalized category uh, for this this week's episode. I'm really excited to see where you go with it. Uh, for me, I had to dig back a little bit, but I think um, the standout for me, because it's just such a visual spectacle and like a cool part of that world that I don't think it had been matched yet, was the first time you see Vegas in Horizon. Uh, mm. Mm, it that is, is great. I think it is like one of the coolest. Uh, and we, we talked about how like that had, you know, been on people's minds for like best art direction and stuff. Uh, when you finally arrive to the beautiful Nevada desert in Forbidden West, uh, the entire city of Vegas has sunken underground. Um, and it's sort of like this, you go on a mission to light it back up. And, and the moment I'm actually talking about is when you succeed in doing that. And you go underground and it's like this submerged aquatic cavern with all the lights of the Vegas Strip. Um, it's, it's fucking cool. It's really cool to take in. It is a really cool moment, and that's probably like that is the number one highlight moment of that entire game. Yeah, I agree. I agree one hundred percent. Like that is the part of that game I still think about. Yeah, yeah. Like if anybody mentions that game, that is the first thing that pops in my mind is that exact moment. That is a great choice. Yeah, Josh, what is your favorite moment from this year? Uh, my favorite moment is uh, I I probably would have a tie here, but I had to use it earlier. Um, so I'll just, I'll briefly mention the, the first time I found an elevator going down into the underworld in, uh, in Elden Ring, just because, uh, yes. you, 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 you write elevators in games and you, you have this sort of internal idea of, oh, I know about how far I'm going to go down and you keep going down in that game, um, for such a ridiculously long amount down. of time that it's, it's. It really, it really does just kind of, after a certain point, feel like a bit. Like, there's no fucking way the world is this large. Like, you you didn't do this, but they did it. Um, and that's really, really cool. I, I, I really like that. Um, you think you might be in a Mass Effect 1 elevator for a minute? Yeah, right? Like, this has got to be, like, you know, looping or, or some... There's a Hanna-Barbera background going on in the background. Just, <laughs> um, but... Yeah, no, that that was great, uh, but not not my tie. Again, I think it got outclassed by the anime intro to Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Mm. Um, oh hell, that's a goodie! Be, like you finish this first level, you 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 eat a goddamn car. And and you set off across this bridge, across whatever lake or, or or ocean or whatever, in order to track down your friend. And the anime intro plays with with this musical, you know, like lyrics, hyping you up and getting you ready to go save the world. And it is such a cool part of that game. Um having having 
Like I, just, I, I feel like why don't more games do that? Why don't why don't we have these great big needle drop moments in a game? Like a, a few of them do that with like their title screen or whatever. But like you can you common. can have an anime ass intro here. Like go ahead, pay someone to sing it for you. Like and this this game does it. Um, I I want that out of so many more games going forward. I I yeah. It's great. It's it's so good. Um, that is a solid choice. Yeah, I like that. Um, so there there's gonna be a little bit of recency bias from this one because I think Riches is of like my runner up for that. I also jokingly had uh, when you kill God in Triangle Strategy. <laughs> of course, when you kill God in insert JRPG name here, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but honestly. I don't think any moment from this year is going to stick with me more than when Atreus thanks Mimir for his guidance over the past two games and tell him, tells him that he's been like a second father to him. That, like, we talked about, Rich and I talked about that um, on the CAD yesterday, and that, that moment really fucking hit me harder than I expected it to. Because, like, it's it's such a simple thing, you know, like, uh, this is a major spoiler, this is a big spoiler for the end of the game. So if you don't want to listen to it, uh, fast forward for the next few minutes. Um, we'll put we'll put timestamps on these categories to make sure that um, you don't get spoiled on this uh, section specifically. Unfortunately, it's it, it, when it comes to game of the year stuff, it's inevitable. But just forewarning, spoiler from here on out. Um, and Josh, you don't mind, correct? Hmm? Before? Okay. No, no, I'm good. Okay, I just wanted to check. Um, you get to the end of the game, you've succeeded in what you've set out to do, the big conflict has occurred, and Atreus realizes that basically it's time for him to set out on his own mission, to find the other giants who um, have been... Um, who bravely placed, ran away. Who, well, not only that, but placed himself in the away, spiritual away. stones. Like, he's planning on going on this mission to find the rest of the giants and to see what he can do about uh, bringing them back, you know, so to speak. Yeah. And you, the, fi- like the final bit of the game, without doing the hidden uh, and alternate endings, is basically Kratos saying goodbye to everybody, or, like, talking to all the people that he has come across in this game. And there's the moment where... Atreus and Mimir and Kratos have this like heartfelt scene and Atreus is like you know you've been a second father to me thank you for everything you've done for me up until this point and Mimir equally has this these beautiful words to say to him and I was like damn I didn't realize like how impactful that relationship was to me when I was like I of course we acknowledged when 2018 came out, that that was our favorite interaction, the Kratos, Mimir, Atreus triad um, yeah. of interaction was phenomenal in that game. And but it's, it's even better here. It's Yeah, and that's something that Rich and I talked about yesterday. It's so good in this game, and I think they take that a step further in a positive way. So to see that beautiful relationship is like we've developed it over these past two games— uh, it's time for me to set out on my own, and there's nothing but love and just affection there 
was just absolutely brilliantly shot, brilliantly voice acted, brilliantly written. Um, by far the I think to, like I said to me, I think it's gonna be the moment that sticks with me this year. But um, yeah, it was very affecting to me for some reason. So it's a good pick. Thanks, man. Cool. Well, I you know we have four more categories to go. I think this is a good moment to take a break. Um, we're an hour and a half in to our recording, and I think we all need to go. You know, take a quick break. Uh, As Joey Fatone would say, "Hey, I gotta go take a fucking leak." I'm Joey Fatone. <laughs> That's gonna be the recurring bit for this episode. Because <laughs> I like it. I want more. Okay. I want more. <laughs> but uh, we're gonna be on. We going on break. We will be right back with your Dagger Tooth Awards. So stick around. We'll be right back. This Sunday, Sunday, at the Four Seasons Total Landscaping Arena, Sunday, Monster Truck Rally, that's right, there are going to be lots of bitches, lots of big tough guys, Sunday, yours truly, down there at the Monster Truck Rally, and we're going to be wearing Chop Gear, store.swordshop.com, store. You can buy lots of nice gear and t-shirts so when you fuck your bitch in the bleachers, you have something to look at. Raw dogging it. Oh, baby. No condoms, because we don't sell those yet. That's right, and if you look up at your sword chomp clock, you'll know how fast you came inside of her. <laughs> C-U-M. That's right. Here, let me tell you about my friend Dale. He's going to tell you more about the store.swordchomp.com. Dale, take it over. I tell you, I went on over to story.swordchomp.com, got myself a t-shirt, got myself a hat, got myself something for my dog. It's a good deal. That's right, Dale. That's right. So if you're interested in repping your favorite podcast while watching a bunch of trucks slamming into each other, head over to store.swordchomp.com. Store.swordchomp.com this Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Sunday. I like titties. We're a Becca from the PP. Now, <laughs> thanks, Joey. Hey, now we're gonna uh, Joey Fatone enjoys the PP. <laughs> one thing you can say about Joey Fatone and no, like whole cloth, he loves taking a fucking piss, and when he does it, <laughs> it takes forever and it hurts. <laughs> Joey, go <laughs> lay down, man. Come on, we're trying to do a thing. <laughs> All right. So, next category we're going to discuss today is our brand new one. Favorite feel-good game. Josh, you get to crack this category wide open. Um, what was your favorite feel-good game of this year? Um, what felt best on the whole? <laughs> um, this is another tough one, because I... I've been really stressed this year, so a lot of the stuff that I've ended up playing over and over again has has kind of fit this bill. Um, mm. um, a close runner up, uh, yeah. Picross S eight. I, I don't I don't know what the hell the S stands for. Season maybe they come out regularly enough. Maybe Snuggly. it's season, but Picross S eight. Um, 
is just more Picross, and I've told you before Satin. that I'll play even the licensed Picross, licensed Picross games from shit that I've not seen. So, just to get my Picross, Picross fix. Um, hmm. Yeah, Picross Exit S8 was was pretty good. Um, but that that's just more Picross. I don't. I don't. That's absolutely a personal thing, and it's comforting because that helps me shut my brain off less so than because that's what it's setting out to do. I mean, right. maybe it's setting out to do that. I don't know. But anyway, um, actual answer is Final Fantasy XIV. Um, I guess with the okay. addendum uh, Endwalker, the Endwalker expansion that came out this year. Yeah, yeah, um, that's probably good. Um, the actual main story in that game is not exactly comforting that there's there's a whole lot of political stuff going on and end of the world stakes and whatnot but then also it's it's a reason to get you just back into the world and and doing stuff you like talking to friends just just being a comforting world to get back to um and and this you know did more of that. It gave me a reason to go back to Final Fantasy fourteen, and I have loved having that. I, I have put a ton of time into Final Fantasy fourteen this year because I've, frankly, I've I've needed way more comfort food gaming um, this year than I have in a while. Um, and this game kind of hits all those notes just right like you you still have really solid combat and really cool mechanics in a lot of those fights uh that are that are really fun you have characters that are just some of my favorite in gaming period and and having more story with them um it's always great um I mean, like that's that's great. That, I think that is a great comfort food game, yeah. And I can see why it, it adds to the feel good. Absolutely, absolutely. And even again, I, I've talked about this before a few times. How, um, even though it's a comfort game, it being such a comfortable place to be as as a world makes the stakes feel so much higher. And this game, a, a lot of the the whole story of this game has kind of been leading to this expansion. Um, there's, there's so much going on as far as that entire world is concerned, uh, that has been leading up to this story. Um, and it's really cool. Finally getting some resolution to a lot of these stories. Finally. Right. Um, even if it's, you know, heartbreaking at times and 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 scary and it just you know stressful just still getting back to that world is mm. great and and none of that would work if it weren't a world you wanted to be a part of um, right and yeah they've done an excellent job with that they even in this expansion they added like a little island sanctuary where you can go and and uh catch creatures and and build a little base which frankly uh is kind of a band-aid fix to the housing issue in that game 
where there's mm-hmm. a limited number of houses and also a lot of that game feeling like a home has to do with you having a place to go and hang out, which if you're part of a guild, well, the free company in, in Final Fantasy fourteen, it's a guild in every other game. But anyway, um, or a clan, wh- whatever, free company in Final Fantasy fourteen. at least you can go hang out at the, at the company house, which is, which is nice. Um, they they kind of did this to make it so everyone has a home they can go to and do. Eventually, they're going to need to fix that. They're going to need to fix the housing situation in order to long-term solve that. But they did a good job of of adding more stuff to be able to chill out with and, and, and relax and just enjoy uh, being in that world while you're just talking with friends mm. with the expansion. Um. Yeah, it really is such I've, such it's such a wonderful world to come back to. I think you're probably going to be in good company with that one. I think a lot of people got into Final Fantasy fourteen think, or got back into it this year. I mean, I personally think like I get it. That might just be a you thing, or maybe it's the way my brain's broken thing in terms of like uh, MMOs are the least cozy thing in the world to me. <laughs> They can be that way. WoW was getting that way near the end where it felt... It felt like if you weren't there grinding two hours a day, you were just... Yeah, they're a chore, I do. Yeah, exactly. You, day, done well, you can't raid with us because you're, you're being really disrespectful to the rest of our time by not putting in 40 hours a week to this you know, game you're ostensibly relaxing with. And um, then I'd get kicked out of my guild for just typing back something like, get leveled, why don't you get some bitches? Yeah, exactly. And frankly, Final Fantasy XIV, the rating has never been the end game. The fashion has been. Uh, it's for sure the, the yeah, the, the coziest of MMOs, but that's just not the way my brain looks at MMOs. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, I, I understand that. Yeah. I'm glad you found a coziness in there. Yeah. I love mm. that for you. <laughs> right. Um, I didn't play a lot of feel-good games, not as many as I thought, that came out from this year. I definitely played some mm. other ones, like Coffee Talk I played this year, finally. Yeah. Not released this year. It's my um, favorite SNL sketch, yeah. But the game that uh, was my favorite feel-good game of this year has to be Tiny Ken, easily, uh, to no one's surprise. Oh, yeah. That game was a ton of fun to play. It was low-stress, very cute from beginning to end. Um. I had a I had a blast playing that game and it just was it was very relaxing coming off of a game uh in Horizon Forbidden West where I had fun with the game but also it was an uphill struggle at times to get through that game for me personally just because of the um long time it takes to onboard players that I I had a struggle getting into that game Tinykin hmm. was the perfect game coming off of that for me where it was just relaxing. I would just pop it on. No stress from that game. Constant laughs, constant awe from beginning to end for that game for me. So I, yeah. I I could say a lot about it. It is a very cute game. The art the art design and direction is very cute. Um yeah, it's the environments are really cute too, like Rich was talking about earlier with um Actually, both of you guys were talking about like this post-apocalyptic kind of situation where instead of it being like very doom and gloom, you're 
you're investigating different parts of a house and yeah. how these creatures have managed to carve out a life for themselves in this abode that ha- was taken over previously by humans, but is now taken over by these creatures. So, yeah, I love tiny kid. I think it's a great, great little feel good game. It's not a very long game either. So absolutely worth cool. your time. If you're looking for the, the feel good of feel goods this year. Absolutely. And that, that is also still on game pass. If, if this is you hearing yes. about it for the first time, yes. yep. Grab that. And yep. Yep. Have a, have a real good time weekend have a real good feel good time yeah yeah it's it's a it's a good relaxing weekend or 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 a few if you just you know spread it out there so that's right rich round it up for us the answer to this question is vampire survivors what Yeah. yeah i can see that yeah it is a game that asks very little of you and funnels dopamine back into your brain hole yep Absolutely. It asks you to hold the arrow key and watch as things die, and the serotonin is just delivered directly to you. <laughs> it's it's fucking amazing, and it's out now on mobile devices for free. <laughs> yeah, 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 and I think a day or two after we're recording this, there's also DLC for it. Which yeah, there is DLC coming, which is going to add to a yeah. bunch of new stuff, and it's on Game Pass. Yes, yes. Um, Definitely going to have to check, check out this game now with how much you guys have been talking about it. Yeah. Vampire Survivors is fucking cool. It's just, I don't know, Vampire, there's something about it, man. Vampire Survivors is fucking awesome. As Little Nicky would say, Vampire Survivors is fucking awesome. <laughs> um, it, now, I, honestly, this Shay just, like, as we're recording this, the Game Awards is just starting. They announced that, I guess, because Shay had typed it in the chat. My immediate thought was, oh, no, I'm going to play Vampire Survivors at the gym. As you should not. You should definitely not do that. You should not multitask and do two things at once. You should focus on the thing on you're the doing. Tread- on the treadmill? Why not? No, you should exclusive, exclusively focus on the thing that you're supposed to be doing. Like, Oh, I misunderstood because yeah, I'm like, not invested. Whatever you're yeah. doing, that's exactly what that's, you should be yeah, doing. Don't multita- multitasking is stupid. Don't, half as re- uh, don't half-ass two things. Whole-ass Whole one ass thing. Whole-ass one thing. That's right. Preach. Preach, my dude. I've never given well, there you anything go. more than I mean, a third of an th- ass. <laughs> oh, us three asses probably make up one whole ass. But yeah, um, it, it, it rounds out nicely. White people, am I right? They're the worst. White no, people. But that's the poster child for a third game. of an ass. That yeah. felt good, guys. That was. The, I took that like I took feel good as in like cozy game. You guys took it in a very <laughs> different direction, and that's okay. My backup yeah, my was, was cozy, cozy in a game. way, but I, I thought about Power Washer Simulator for a while. That is a really yeah, good, that's, good that's game another too. good one. Yeah, yeah, that is a good choice. 